This episode of the Ron Perti Show is brought to you by The Jungle 2099. The Jungle 2099 is a post-apocalyptic horror sci-fi movie that aims to show humans subjected to the same processes we put nearly 250 million animals through each day. Inspired by the attempted passing of the ag-gag laws across the U.S., The Jungle 2099 aims to put a human face to the horrific truth behind factory farms and the meatpacking industry. You can back this film on Kickstarter. You head over to kickstarter.com, type in The Jungle 2099, the URL is long, or you can follow the writer, director, Pat O'Sullivan on Twitter, and his Twitter is at Pat O'Sullivan 312. Head over there, support the film today. Please hang up and try again. Are you looking for something for that special someone? Then look no further than Park Lane Jewelry. Park Lane Jewelry is a family-owned Illinois company heading into its 60th year. All pieces have an unconditional lifetime guarantee and are designer-inspired. You can find out how to get free pieces with the Make Your Own Sale. Just get a hold of Jen online at myparklane.com forward slash jmar. That's J-M-A-R-R today. Hey everybody, welcome to the show. Oh, this is a big one. This is the one that they told me I probably couldn't get, shouldn't even try. But through perseverance and stick to and other bullshit, here's episode 124 and holy shit, Kelly Carlin. I'm going to let that sink in for a second. Your brain and mine. Kelly Carlin. She's a, she's a talented, she's a monologist, a writer, uh, producer, podcaster. Um, she's got a couple of shows. She's got some big stuff coming. She's got a book coming up. And don't forget, on the 22nd, if you're in New York, uh, they're going to be uh, the whole George Carlin Way thing. That's going to be awesome. Definitely something that you need to check out. And, uh, man, just this is such a great interview, and it's so much fun. And she was such a delight. And I sound like an 80-year-old person. Oh, I'm going to give her a candy and, and and send her on her way. And maybe she'll come help me with my kitties and take out my trash. But uh, it was it was just... Uh, wow. Decent. Fucking great, great show coming up for you here. And I want to thank everybody who listens. Uh, don't forget, RomperT.com is back up and running. Uh, looking good, I think. Maybe. Depends on what you think. Um, but yeah, so there's that and just all sorts of awesome stuff. And I don't know what I'm talking about right now, but here's episode 124 of the Ron Perti show with Kelly Carlin. We all know the holidays are right around the corner and your wallet's going to be empty. So why not have a debt free holiday? Want to earn cash, vacations, jewelry, and whatever else you can think of working minimal part-time hours? Well, then contact Jen over at Park Lane Jewelry at myparklane.com forward slash jmar, J-M-A-R-R, today. Hey, what's up? This is Ben Kissel. You're listening to The Ron Perti Show. All right, so how are we going? So, so before we get really rolling here, I have to ask this question. You grew up with one of the most anti-established, the biggest anti-establishment icon in the, in the last, say, 10, 15, 20 years as a father. Growing up, when you hit your rebellious 
rebellious time as a teenager, how many times did you try to apply for the Young Republican Club? <laughs> yes, that would have been the only way I would have rebelled in my family. Uh, yeah, nope, uh, didn't, uh, didn't manage to get around to their meetings very often, strangely enough. Well, when they're when they're uh, you know in a secret uh, hole in the ground, and you have to have a certain knock and uh, millions and millions and millions of dollars. Yes, uh, that's see, that's why they never invited me. Bastards. Yes. Bastards. Now I know it's been a long time coming trying to get you on the program, but I'm glad we finally have you. So welcome. Thank you for having me. Oh, it's it's truly an honor. It's a, it's all it's all the, all the pleasure and joy is on this side. I promise you. <laughs> And uh, now uh, you've been working on the book. Now, is the uh, Carlin Home Company, is that kind of, is it based on your one-person show? Well, since my one-person show is based on my life, uh, (laughs) yes, absolutely. It's, you know, I took the scaffolding of the show. I mean, I'd already had a outline for the memoir because I started working on it about eight years ago. Um, And so, I I mean, I had an outline. I did another solo show in 1999. So I, you know, really thought about, you know, kind of a lot of these stories and kind of the arc of my narrative and all of that. So, but yes, I did. It was helpful to have this solo show up and running and, and active in my consciousness in order to pull from and then to really, you know, flesh out moments that were in the show much larger. And then, of course, be able to go into areas of my life that only got one or two sentences in the show because it just, you just don't have enough time when you're on, on stage. So I'm assuming this is going to be like a 1500 page book. Uh, as of today, it's 335 pages. Well, I can't wait to have it on my bookshelf. <laughs> Thank and you. We were talking about this before. It's going to take them a year. And is there, do you have a lot of people clamoring to read this book? Cause I assume that you would considering what it's about. I, yes, I do. I do. A lot of people are like, I can't wait. I can't wait. And I'm also really thrilled and touched and humbled by the list of comedians who are actually reading the book this month and going to be giving me a little blurb for it. So, um, I'm just, you can name or, uh, well, I just got Margaret Cho's blurb today and, uh, Gary Shandling's reading it. And, uh, Kevin Pollack and uh, Drew Carey and, oh, just a list, a lovely, lovely list of men and women who I adore and look up to. And um, like I said, I'm I'm kind of like amazingly like, holy shit, <laughs> these people are reading my book. But I'm trying not to think about that too much and uh, just breathing. But I'm very excited. Now, uh, you're still doing the, the solo show, right? I am. I haven't. I have not performed it since last year. This time, I will be uh, putting it up again in uh, late January, all February at the Falcon Theater here in Los Angeles. I'm doing a five-week run at their theater. They're producing it, and I'll be doing 25 shows in five weeks. I've never done anything like that in my life in any form. So I'm terrified and yet looking forward to this particular creative challenge and uh and also you know looking to see where the show goes we're basically doing this show to see if there's any interest um from theaters around the country um you know performing arts centers that kind of stuff it's you know we're kind of using it as a 
a, a place to to get an interest. So we'll see. We'll see if anyone else has any interest. Um, and hopefully so, because the book will be coming out in the fall, and then I could start touring it in the fall. And, you know, I, I'd be dealing with my parents uh, uh, a, a lot more in my future. <laughs> <laughs> now, you uh, are... Uh... You have the uh, the Carlin's Corner on Sirius XM. Yes. Which you can only get online. You can. You can yeah, if you have a Sirius if you have an XM device, you get it. Um and that's there's only a few of those though. And yes, the online subscribers can um absolutely hear it. It's I think it's it's channel 400. Is that something that uh that Sir- that they approached you about? Do setting uh, up yeah, yeah, they did actually. Um right after my dad died, I met with the guy who was running the comedy division there at Sirius and he wanted to definitely do something with me, a project with me. And then um, they started this new thing where they were like, you know, dedicating whole channels of especially musicians um, and music. And we were the first comedy channel where they decided to do that. And so, yeah, they came to us and, uh, and also said, you know, they wanted me to have my own show on it, which I do, which is the Kelly Carlin show. And, um, so yeah, it's it, you know it's it's great. I'm glad my dad gets to be there, and uh, people who need a hit of George can you know click on the station twenty four seven and and uh, and get a hit of my dad. I gotta say that that Carlin's Corner and the Sinatra Channel, uh, along with Howard one hundred and Howard one hundred one, are the only things that are actually set in to the <laughs> my internet browser one because uh, my nice. car my car is all over the place, but. Uh, but those are the only ones that are actually set in there. So, That's great. Yeah. And uh, now you uh, also do um, Waking from the American Dream, which is a Smodcast um, podcast. Yes. And now did Kevin approach you for that? Or is this just – I mean it, were you doing that beforehand? Because when, when we start get diving really far back, things get a little muddled in my eyes. I don't know what's going on. Maybe I'm getting old. I don't know. But uh, did he approach you about this or is this a show that you had and he said, hey – you know, bring it on over here. It's it's a show I had. I was on another network, and I'd been on it for about a year, and was ready to take the show to a bigger platform. And I was actually at Kevin's house, uh, doing his podcast, his morning show with Jen, and um, and at the end of it, I said, you know, well, what does it take to get onto Smodcast? And he goes, well, since I'm in charge of it, it just basically takes me saying so. And uh, and I said, well, you know, I'd love for my podcast to be part of Smodcast. And he said, done. Such hoops and, to, to jump through. I know, I know. It was very painful. And uh, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, he's, you know, he's like family. He's someone who obviously, you know, his creative life was very much shaped by my dad. And uh my dad loved doing his films. Um, and then when I finally got to meet Kevin after my dad died and and connect with him, it was just clear we were just, you know, very simpatico and, you know, brother and sister kind of material. And uh, so it's it's lovely to be part of the Smodcast family. Did Now, did the first time you met him, was was that at the, the tribute? Um, which tribute? Where Louis, the, where Louis got up there and was supposed to be funny and just yes. yeah, yeah, yes. That was the first time I met Kevin. Yes, that was a that was a great that was a great tribute. I gotta say. I mean, I wish I wish it, we didn't have to watch it. You know. <laughs> yeah, but, of course, of it course. Was, uh, it was it was great, and and uh, it's just seeing how he affected so many people's lives. Um, I'm, I'm sure yours included. 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> considering, yeah. considering, you know, I think you guys, I think you have a personal connection to him. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> yes, definitely. But now, did he ever try and get you to go up on stage and perform? Because I know for a while there, at some one point, you wanted to become a therapist. Yeah. Um, no, my dad was really hands off with me when it came to what I wanted to do with my life. He had a very um, imposing, controlling mother who, you know, wanted to shape my dad into some sort of um, Madison Avenue executive or something like that. And my dad, of course, rebelled against that from day one. Um, so my dad was, you know, very laissez-faire when it came to, to parenting in that way. He he always um, laughed at my jokes and certainly felt I was a good writer and and all of that. But he he discouraged me from the stand-up comedy life because it's a very lonely, difficult life on the road. And, um, you know, I had, I and my mother had paid the price for that, as, as my dad did, but we especially as family had paid the price. Um, and, you know, and he he would try to, to protect me from, from showbiz on some levels. But, um, you know, we did some acting together and, and some writing. And um, so, you know, he he always accepted that I wanted to do those kinds of things. Um, but you know, some of the stuff I did made him uncomfortable when I for did my first solo show in 99, it was my personal story and that was difficult for him because some of my personal story is about my, both my parents drug addiction and alcoholism in my, when I was a child and, but it's part of my story. Um, and you know, so some of that was just difficult for him. So he, you know, he didn't really encourage or discourage. He just kind of stood by the side and and smiled and and let me know that he loved me and thought I was brilliant and talented, but but didn't do anything. And and then after the solo show, part of it was, you know, his discomfort with that, and, and it was a direction that I really wanted to take my life into, but I wasn't sure about it. And that's when I um, decided to go and get my um, masters in psychology. And it wasn't really because I wanted to become a therapist, but I was very fascinated with the stuff that this particular graduate school taught, which was, uh, Joseph Campbell's mythology and Carl Jung's psychological psychology. And there was a lot of art and creativity in the school and you could do art projects for, for finals and things like that. So, um, I really went there to feed my art, but it was a master's in counseling psychology and, you know, so I, I have a I have a solid plan B in life. You know, if I ever if I ever need to, to rely on something to make a living, I can certainly rely on that. Oh, definitely. Now, what is it about that particular um, school of psychology that really drew you in? Uh, I, th- I think it really is that there's an acknowledgement of the sacred or spiritual aspect of humanity without it being um, religious or even theistic. Um, you know, I mean, Joseph Campbell was a man who really explained to the world that, you know, every religion is based on these kind of, you know, collective unconscious archetypal themes and that there's something in the human, um, you know, mind, body, soul, spirit that, that, you know, needs, uh, this kind of looking for meaning and seeking for meaning in life. So, and, and I, my whole life was shaped that way. I mean, that's the way my dad lived his life, my mom too. And that's kind of the way my worldview has been. So it, it really fit into my, my understanding of the world. And I was very interested in just in basically in the human journey. How do we, 
how do we shape into the humans and the adults that we are? What affects us? What, you know, what is our, what is our path? What is, you know, what, what are we here to do? What's, what is our meaning? And that stuff really fascinates me. And, um, and I felt that that school, you know, Jungian psychology and the mythology stuff and the storytelling and the art making really all supported being able to stand and ask the big questions of life. I'm, I'm a person who's a seeker. I ask the big questions and I'm curious and, and I like bringing original and different, you know, points of view and perspectives to the big questions we all ask. So, I mean, that's something in particular, my dad just, you know, gave to me directly is this ability to see the world from a slightly different angle and, and to hold kind of the really big, the big vision for it, you know, the bird's eye view. And, um, and, and I love that, that I have that. And, and that's kind of what I feel like my job is. Now, uh, you're also, um, I'm not sure how to put it. You're a Buddhist. I am. I've studied Zen Buddhism. Mm. I'm a practicing meditator. I am, uh, I wouldn't call myself a Buddhist because most Buddhists don't really call themselves that because right, there's right. really, there's no dogma. There's no God. It's, it's really a perspective. I mean, the Tao is very much, you know, part of that perspective and it's, you know, it's really understanding that there's there's two aspects to every human. There's the personal aspect and then there's the transpersonal. And, um, you know, and I, I like the fact that I can sit in a meditative state and connect to the transpersonal aspect of myself. And then at the same time, you know, come back into my personality and my body and um, go make some scrambled eggs and watch X Factor. <laughs> Uh, gotta love scrambled eggs, but <laughs> not so much the X Factor. Now, so do you? Are you? Are you into TM and stuff like that? Then? No, never been into TM. No, I was not trained that way. I was trained in Vipassana meditation, uh, which is much more sitting with the breath, watching the the thoughts go by, uh, watching the mind work. I don't. I don't do chanting. I don't have a mantra. I don't do any of that kind of stuff. But. I mean, it's all trying to get you to the same, you know, connect to the same aspect of self, which is the the part of us that's bigger than the ego part of our personality. Right. You know, the part the part of us that's bigger than our identity of I. Well, there you go. See, it's just you answered my my second my other my follow up question about the whole God thing. You know, because I always get confused about that kind of thing, and I never either. I'm too lazy to, to use the Google machine, <laughs> or I just. I'd rather hear it from somebody who's actually practicing and they can explain everything to me. So thank you for that. You're very welcome. Um, now, this might, I don't know if this is going to be a difficult question for you to answer, but you are the, basically, you're the keeper of his legacy. Yes. Okay. How often do people misquote him on certain topics and what kind of uh, emotion comes out of you when you see that one? And especially when they use it for the totally the wrong thing. Oh, you you obviously follow me on Facebook and, um, and Twitter. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, this is an ever evolving relationship I have is with my father and his legacy and his life um, online and after his death. It's you know, it's ever evolving. So, yeah, I mean. I, you know what at the beginning, I really felt like it was my job to police um, people and to school them. And, and, you know, if it comes my way and I, and I, and I've kind of put, I've put that down a bit because it's exhausting and I have my own life to live and I'm 51 and I'm really not interested in spending whatever 
uh, decades left I have on this planet with, um, you know, having to be on top of that all the time. But that said, if it comes my way and someone brings it to my attention or there's something really egregious about it, um, I, you know, I'll either send the lawyers after them or I'll send the fans after them. <laughs> which was, you know, what I used earlier in the year when some neocon a fascist organization on their Facebook page had rewritten my father's words and took out the words big business and put in the words government instead. Oh. Um, I sent the fans after them. And um, that was, that was like really satisfying. Like any, you know, any need to get, you know, to have revenge or um, any, um, you know, any reason that I needed to kind of exercise or tap into my rage. That was a good week for that. Um, and then there's a couple of assholes and jerk offs on Twitter who use my dad's name in, you know, and pretend like they're George Carlin quotes or whatever. And they're just using the account for their own really poorly thought out and articulated ideas. Um, they try to be my dad and it's really sad, um, but they aren't. Uh, so I just no one yeah. ever will be. No, they won't, you know, and here's a man who really, you know, he had an amazing mind and an, an, an amazing point of view and worked very hard in articulating his thoughts. Uh, you know, he was very careful with his words and knew how to use the English language and how to use attitude and profanity and all of that in order to, to make his point and logic. He used logic and reason. And so it's it's kind of sad. And I get it. You know, people people worship my dad, they want to be him, they want to, they, you know, it's, they think it's their own way of perpetuating his legacy and, you know, being like him or whatever. And, and I get that. But you know, if I see something on Twitter or Facebook, I, you know, and it really is ridiculous, I will, I will let the Twitter verse know, do not follow this person, they do not know what they're doing. And this is not the real George Carlin account or whatever. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so it's, you know, right now I've let it all go in some ways. I'm I'm really like happy being done with this writing this book is like a huge turning point for me. I feel like I've can kind of let that all that go and let my dad and his fame and his persona on the in the world kind of just be what it is and just renew my own relationship with my with my parents and my life in my own way. Well, uh sending the fans after them is also sometimes worse than sending the lawyer. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh, I mean, especially on social media. I mean, that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's like people have stopped trying to interact with one another on a um, on a social level, face to face. Yeah, you know? but yep. uh, what are you gonna do? Um, now, I tried my hand at stand up. Realized I was a better writer than I am a, a, a comedian, and. I gotta say, and there's an uh, there's a newspaper article to prove it because some moron decided to put me on the front page of the new local paper, uh, <laughs> which was, and he doesn't have a job there anymore. So there you see what that happens. And I gotta <laughs> say that when he asked me who like my holy trinity of comedy was, I said it was your dad, and it was Pryor and Bill Hicks. Mm. And I I don't know I I still feel that to this day. I just wanted to get that out of the way. I wanted to get the the ass kissing out of the way. <laughs> that's a good trinity to have. Oh. I would I would agree with you. That's a that's a great trinity. I still have people, you know, when something goes wrong, you know, oh well, I wonder what George would say about that. Yes, you yes, know? sure, sure. I mean, you I know? mean, uh, yeah, I'm. 
would be so curious to see what he would think about this world that has changed so much in the last six years since he died. I mean, social media has really changed the nature of our of our American life and the, the global life. And uh, I would be fascinated to to see what he'd have to say about it all. And you have coming up here on the 22nd, the uh, uh, the dedication, I guess you could call it, uh, yes. of uh, George Carlin Way. And now that's right by a church, isn't it? It, it is. It's actually by – so my dad grew up on the 500 block of West 121st Street, which is between um, Amsterdam and Broadway. And on that block, just a few doors up from where he lived and grew up was uh, Corpus Christi, where my dad went to elementary school and where he loved his elementary school. It was very progressive in the 40s. And um, his mother went to church there. I was baptized in that church. That was the last time I went to church. Um, and – um, you know, I mean, my dad, the, the school he writes about and the times he writes about in Class Clown and the neighborhood in, in that he talks about in Occupation Fool is that block, is that neighborhood. So, but Corpus Christi um, decided that uh, they were not, <laughs> they didn't want to sign with my dad's name on the block. I mean, even if it was going to be like way on the other side of the block. Um, because they felt that little kids from the elementary school were going to come out and see his name on the sign and wonder who he was and then look him up. And then they'd get a huge dose of truth and uh, probably that. probably not be happy with the church anymore. So um, it's, it's really, it's so hypocritical because, I mean, Father Rafferty was someone who met my dad a few times. I think my dad even did a fundraiser for the elementary school at one point, you know, so... It's a bunch of BS. So we're just right across the street on Amsterdam in the 400 block. And um, But as my uncle pointed out, my dad's brother, Patrick, he said, ah, who fucking cares? We fucking own that whole fucking neighborhood when we were kids, you know. So um, so why not just keep keep it up? Yeah, we're going to just, you know, we're going to have it on our corner. And, uh, you know, we, we know. We, we know the real story. So that's cool. Now, uh, getting back to the, the you know, Carlin Home Companion, are you going to be releasing that at all? Or has it been released out on DVD and Blu-ray and stuff like that? No, I think we're going to, you know, see how this goes this next year. Um, you know, once I do my run at the Falcon and then see if it can get some traction out there. Um, and then I know eventually we will, you know, uh, hopefully release it on something. I mean, it would be it would be great to record it and, you know, show it on HBO or something like that. I mean, that would be an honor to be on my dad's, you know, home, home stage in some ways. Yeah. Um, but yes, I, I figure, you know, if, if it gets some traction or not, I mean, either way, I know the fans really, really want to see it and they've been clamoring and, and I would love to go to every market my dad ever went to in his career, you know, because I really believe that this solo show in some ways is, I call it personally the George Carlin farewell tour. Um, I think it's a closure for fans. Um, and I, you know, he traveled and got to go to see his fans every 18 to 24 months around the country at these different towns and cities. And, and I think it's a nice way to, you know, kind of to, for them to be able to say goodbye to him. And also of course, to, to meet all of him while they're, while they're saying goodbye to him. Yeah, I, I would. Uh, I've never had a chance to actually see him live, uh, just yeah. like just on HBO and stuff like that. Right. And uh, you need to come to Wisconsin, damn it! I would love to come to Wisconsin. Wisconsin I'll buy you is cheese. beautiful. <laughs> and I'll keep you safe from the serial killers. Maybe I can come to Milwaukee and get arrested like my dad did. There you go. Just get up on stage and start cursing. 
<laughs> going to, on the stage of Summerfest. Oh, you know what? Summerfest has gotten so bad lately. Uh, that's it, what I've heard. It's just so so bad. But it's, yeah. it it was kind of a, in a, in a weird way. It is it is it's a weird honor to be like, yep, we're the idiots who arrested Carlin. Yep, <laughs> that was us. Yep, yep, you were. Yep. <laughs> yes, that's just fantastic. Well, Kelly, I thank you so much. You can follow Kelly at uh, at Kelly underscore Carlin on Twitter. On Facebook, it's Kelly Carlin Official. I want to thank you so much for coming on. We'll have to have you back. It was a role. It was a pleasure, an honor, a privilege, and I can come up with a bunch of other words, but I won't. Oh well, thank you so much, Ron. It was it was a it was a pleasure for me too. And uh, uh, you have a great day. <laughs>